How many of you have ever uh, uh, been in trouble with your parents? <laughs> the rest of y'all are lying. Um, I'm just saying. Uh, I, I, uh, so after a baseball game, I was in high school. I don't remember if I was a junior or senior or what it was, but uh, I had some friends in my car, and we, were, uh, we had just won. We had beat one of the best teams in our area. <laughs> And uh, we were pretty excited, um, and this is all going to sound like justification for what I just what I'm about to do. Um, but uh, anyway, and, and we like to do that too. We like to justify our wrong. But I uh, I, I blew through a four way stop, and uh, there was a stop sign, and there was uh, four other stop signs. Thank God, all the other traffic decided to stop. Um, I did not. I uh, I went right through the stop sign. And, uh, and sitting at one of the other stop, stop signs was a police officer. Um, and, uh, and, and so I knew I was in trouble. I knew trouble was coming. Um, and uh, the lights went on, and, uh, and he pulled up behind me. And in that moment, I had a decision to make. Was I going to follow the one who's leading me, this is the police officer leading me to pull over, or was I going to fight? And if I chose to fight, if I chose to fight or flight, whatever you want to call it, if I chose to try to ignore that and just leave, uh, more trouble was going to come. I, I don't know about you, but that's what I find out in, in life, in my life anyway, when, when things come my way, trouble comes my way, I have a choice to make, like we talked about last week, of either I'm going to follow God, this one who is leading me in my life, I'm going to follow him in my life and say yes to him, even though I don't like the trouble, even though I don't like the hardship, even though I don't like the trial that I'm going through, I can say yes to him and follow him, or I can choose to fight against him. And what I fought and what I found out in my life is the more that I fight against God, the more trouble comes in my life. I, I don't know if you found that out or not. If you haven't, hold on, because trouble is coming for you too. You're going to have hardship in this life. You are going to have difficulty in this life. There is going to be things that are going to happen where you do not like what's happening. There is going to be heartache. There is going to be heartbreak. There is going to be all kinds of things that happen in your life that you are not going to enjoy. And you have a choice to make in the midst of that. Will I follow God through this journey or will I fight against him? And, 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 and throughout time and throughout history and throughout the word of God, we see this over and over and over again with people. One of those groups of people that we see that with are the people of God, the Israelites, and they're choosing to either go with God and follow God or fight against him. And in Exodus chapter 13, we're going to see this. We, we began to look at this last week, Exodus 13, Exodus 14, and we see that God has delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh and has led them out of slavery, out of bondage to Pharaoh, and he is leading them to where he is wanting them to go. And, and as we see in Exodus chapter 13, starting in verse 17, Pharaoh has let the people go. God has begun to lead them. And what's interesting is, is the people at this point anyway are following God. 
and saying, okay, God, I'll, we'll go where you want us to go. We'll follow you where you want us to, 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 to go, and we'll, we're willing to follow you in this journey, even though sometimes in following God, it doesn't make sense. So to our mind and to our logic, it doesn't make sense. I mean, like, even, even in Exodus, it says that he could have led them a certain way but chose not to. He could have led them through the wilderness but chose not to. He, he instead leads them, and in chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, leads them into a valley that's between mountains and the Red Sea. There's an opening to this valley, but, but on both sides of the valley are mountains, and then, and then the Red Sea is right there, and God leads them and tells them to camp there, and they do it. So far to this point, they are following God and doing it well. But what they don't know is that God is, is, is about to orchestrate trouble coming. In the, in, the, in the form of Pharaoh and his army. So, so look at chapter 14, verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they're wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. So God's moving them about in the way that he did is actually fooling Pharaoh into thinking that the people are crazy and that they don't know what they're doing and they're lost in the wilderness and that where they're camped at, they are doomed. And by all looks of it, if you were to look at it as a, a normal person, as Pharaoh, and see where they're camped, you would think these people are stuck. There's no way out, and I've got them. And so Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and notice verse 4, I will, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He will pursue them, and I will get the glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts so that the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Not only is he going to prove to the Egyptians that he is Lord, but as we look at verse 31 of chapter 14, again, giving you a little bit of a, a foretaste, a little bit of a glance ahead, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So not only is God using this, to show the Egyptians that he is Lord, but he is show, doing this to show the Israelites that he is Lord, that he can be trusted, that he can be, that he can be the one to lead them, and they will be able to know they can put their faith and trust in him. Why, why does trouble come into our life? Why, why is it, like we said last week, rule number one, realize God means for you to be where you are. Why? Because God has something to teach you. Why? Because God wants to reveal himself to you. Why? Because God wants to use whatever it is to call you to something greater than yourself, something more than you could ever do on your own. God wants to use you in a powerful way. We've heard an example of that this morning already in Sarah, and that she was feeling called to go, but had a short window of time to, to really be able to raise a large sum of money, 
in order to be able to do what God was calling her to do, and guess what? God did it. Why? Because God can. And she said yes. She said yes to him, and God came through. God came through. He always does. Now, the, the problem is that we don't often like how he comes through. Y'all, y'all listening? Uh, uh, we, we don't like it because it's not on our timetable. It's not in the way that we were thinking that it ought to be. It's not, uh, you know, I, this was what I was asking for and God did this. Yeah, that, that, that's because God is God and you are not. Ooh, uh, ooh. Yeah, it's true. You're, you're not. You're not God. God is God, and he can see the bigger picture. He knows what's going on. And even in this, while the, the, the Israelites, they're camped, he's working in the heart of Pharaoh and the Egyptians to be a part of this story, to be a part of this plan, to be a part of what's going on, and moving in the hearts of not only the Israelites, but the Egyptians as well. And so he hardens the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh comes, and notice what it says. He's going to pursue them. And notice what God says. I will get the glory over Pharaoh. Why does God allow trouble in our life? Why does God allow difficulty? Why does God sometimes lead us into this so that he can get the glory? This is rule number two. Rule number two, be more concerned for God's glory than for your relief. Be more concerned for God's glory than for your relief. If you remember, we talked about two memory verses last week. Psalm, Psalm what, 46.1, God is an ever-present help in trouble, right? He is a refuge and a strength, an ever-present help in trouble. What seems impossible, Luke 18.27, our second verse, what seems impossible with man is possible with God. He wants to show up. And do a work that only he can do. He wants to get the glory. He wants whatever it is in our lives for us to give him the glory. What does that mean? To God be the glory. We sing that sometimes. We, we sing about God's glory sometimes. What does it mean to glorify God? Well, I brought, I brought this big monstrous thing right here. Some of y'all sitting over here, don't look right, right, right Don't look right here. All right. And I just did that, and some of y'all are going to look right there. Sorry about that. Um, this is a spotlight. I'm going to turn it on. Whoop, there we go. It's a spotlight, and what does it mean to give God glory? Glory means to, to put a spotlight on something, to bring attention to something. Now, I was purposeful in aiming it at love God, love people, because that is the great commandment. Love God, love people, that's what Jesus said. And so doing that is an illustration of God. Giving God the glory is, is putting the spotlight on God, giving God all the attention, giving God all that he deserves, giving God the glory is praising him for whatever it is that he's going to do. And, at the end, and that's what he says, I want to do that so that Pharaoh and the Egyptians know that I am God. In verse 31 we read, so that the Israelites, they saw the power of God on display and, and they knew it was God. They knew it was God. 
And so when we glorify, when we glorify God, it's all about what can I do so that others see him in me, in my choices, in my actions, in my reactions, in my words. What is it I'm going to do to glorify him? What is it am I going to do to put the spotlight on God? The problem, the problem is, is that the latter part of that rule, be more concerned for God's glory than for your relief. The problem is that you and I, what keeps us from giving God glory? It's, it's, it's self. Me. Spotlight is on me now. I want the spotlight. I, I want the attention. I want the glory. I, I want things to work out how I want them. I don't want to go through this trouble. I don't want to face this. And so we, we come up with questions like, like, why am I in this mess? How do I get out of this mess? Why, God, would you lead me to this? Why, God, would you allow this in my life? And, and we don't want to go through it. And, and, and in some ways, I don't blame you because as a natural person, that's not our desire to go through hardship. It's not our desire to, to suffer. It's not our desire to, to do those things, to go through those things. But God wants to use those to demonstrate his power and his might through us. In, in John chapter 9, there's a blind man that the disciples come upon, and they, they ask questions like, was it his fault or was it his parents' fault that he's blind? And Jesus responds, and he says, this man was born blind so that the power of God could be displayed in his life. And Jesus, in that moment, healed the man of his blindness. John chapter 11, Lazarus, one of Jesus' good friends, becomes sick, and he dies and his sisters are upset with him, and they're, they're like, Jesus, if you had only been here, Lazarus would not have died. And Jesus says to them, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And what does he do? He brings Lazarus back to life. And then in John 12, Jesus knows what he's facing and, and here's Jesus saying, my soul is troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for your purpose, I came to this hour. Father, to glorify your name. See, we ask these questions naturally. Why, how did I get into this mess? How can I get out? How quickly can I solve this problem? Why? Why did this happen to me? Can I ask you to do something? Instead of asking those questions, instead of letting those questions dominate your thinking, can I, can I offer to you a, 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 an alternative question to ask? Ask, how can God be glorified in this trouble? How can I shine the spotlight on God in this trouble? How can I give God the glory in this difficulty that I'm going through? That's tough. 
That's tough. Why? Because self. I'm going to turn this off so it doesn't blow all the lights on stage because I think the nuclear power plant safety button went off. That thing draws a lot of power. Self. Self gets in the way. Y'all, if you don't know me, uh, this is one thing about me that, I, that, that people know is that I like acronyms. So I, I'm using self as an acronym here. And I don't have it on the screen, so you're going to have to write it down. I did that on purpose so you'd pay attention. Uh, self. S stands for selfish. I, I don't know about you, but I know me, and I'm selfish. I want it my way. My, 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 maybe my theme song isn't, but, but lots of times I live like Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. I, I, I want what I want when I want it. I, I'm selfish, self-centered. Me, at the center of my universe. I, I don't know if you can identify with that or not, but I know for me, as I was thinking about this, one of the reasons God doesn't get to glory is because I am a selfish human being. And because I am a selfish human being, E, lots of times my expectations are wrong or misguided. Or my expectations of, of God are off. Because I heard someone once say something about God, like if I pray, God will answer all my prayer requests exactly how I, I pray them. Or, or God will do, God's like a genie in a bottle. I just rub the lamp of the Bible and, and bam, God does what I want him to do. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I have these expectations that often are misguided, are misplaced. And, and then what happens when, when my expectations aren't met? I pout. I get mad, I get frustrated, I, I, I begin to groan and moan. Are y'all all identifying with any of this stuff or is it, am I just talking about myself? Like, like, so I know I'm selfish, I know my expectations are off and off, and then what, that happen, what happens as a result of that is, L, I lean on myself. Or, or, or I look for things in all the wrong places. And, and so I end up leaning on my own thinking, my feelings, what I want, when I want it. And that gets in the way of giving God the glory. So I'm selfish, my expectations are off, I lean on the wrong things, and then F, I focus on what I want, when I want it, Look at me, this is what I did. Why aren't people giving me any glory for this? Why isn't anybody recognizing me for what I did in this? Why am I not being so said, hey, nice job, way to go, yada, yada. My focus is off. Because, because of self. Because of pride. Because, because let's face it, most of us think that we're just all that in a bag of chips. And, and that everything, the world just revolves around me. I mean, we're, we're selfish from the time we're little, little kids. You, you don't have to teach a kid to say no. 
They just do it. That might be the first word that comes out of their mouth. Not mommy, daddy. It's no. No, I will not. We were, we were, I don't know where we were. Where we, we had a store or something the other day, and, and we heard some kids say, oh, oh, no, we were walking. And they were up in front of us, and the mom said something to the boy, and the boy turned around to his mom. And I'm talking like this is a 10-year-old kid. I wanted, well, anyway. He turned to his mom and said, no, I am not going to do that. I was like, oh, ooh, mm. But you know, you know what's interesting is, is, as I thought about it later on in the week, I was like, how many times am I like that with God? No, God. No. I do not want to do that. No, God, I do not want to go through that. How do we overcome self? How, how do we overcome self so that we can Give God glory. Some verses, James 4.10. These are just here, and, and I encourage you to write them down or go back and read them, but humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will exalt you. First Peter 5, 6, and 7, he goes a little deeper with it. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And then Jesus, the ultimate example of giving God the glory, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's about to be handed over, Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Jesus says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. If that could become a regular part of our thinking, Father, not my will, but yours be done, then, 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 then we could potentially get self out of the way so that Jesus, so that God is on display, so that God is in the spotlight. Not my will, but yours be done. Can we ask the question, how, how can what I'm going through give God glory? How can I give God glory in this trouble? I don't know your heart, and I don't need to. God does. But I wonder, I asked you earlier to ask God to speak to your heart. Here's the follow-up question. What did he say to you today? What is he speaking to you about today? What is he wanting you to get today? And then would you take it and, and write it down, text it right now to somebody, get it in your mind, but ask God to lead you to share it with someone. Why, why do I say that? Because when you share it with somebody, it becomes more solid in your heart. It takes more root into your heart. And so I would encourage you to share it this week with somebody or many people if you need a little practice with that, you're not sure exactly what to do or what to say, please share it with me. My number is on the wall. Love to be able to have conversation with you. Thank you for those of you that this past week shared what, what God spoke to you about last week. Um, I want to encourage you to do that. 
And uh, again, I will try to get back to you on those um, as quickly as possible. Uh, but uh, again, um, what is he speaking to you about today? Who are you going to share it with? Give God the glory. Be more concerned about giving God the glory than your relief. As we continue to look through chapter 14 and we follow the Israelites, we're going to see that they're going to begin to fight against God. How do we work through that? Because the reality is all of us at one point or another will fight, try to fight against God. God wants to show you himself. God wants to use you. God wants to, to call you to something greater than yourself. Are you willing to let him? Will you close your eyes and bow your head? This morning we have a young man that we're going to be a young man. He's a kid, but he's a young man. He's going to come, and we're going to be baptizing him this morning. And so he and his grandpa are going to come, and, and uh, we're going to be doing uh, that in just a little bit. And I just, again, want to ask you, what is God speaking to you in your heart about today? Are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to allow him to say whatever it is that he wants to say to you and then that you're going to obey him? Again, I, I don't know your heart. I don't need to, but God does. So as we uh, think about that, we're going to sing here in just a minute. What's he speaking to you about today? If you don't know him, put your faith and trust in him best place to put it. God, thanks for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for what you're going to do today in our hearts and our lives. But we ask that you would guide us, you would direct us, and help us to be willing to say yes to you. Father, thank you for your love. In Jesus' name.